guys. Welcome. Um, wow. Um, welcome to the Harbor. Uh, we are starting a brand new series this week. My name is Heather. For those of you um, that don't know me or haven't gotten to meet yet, um, we're super excited to jump into this brand new series, Y'all uh, Survive the Relationship Goal series. Hopefully, I didn't wreck y'all too much. Um, but a couple quick announcements for y'all before we jump into tonight's topic. Um, first one is middle school Bible studies. Those are Wednesday night, 6 to 7.30. Come hang out with us if you're in middle school, guys, girls. Um, we've been having a great time. And then my second announcement for y'all is fall party. Do not forget that. In two Sundays from now, we will not be here. We will be over at Hickory Ridge Farm. So come meet us there, hang out. Uh, we have some fun stuff planned. So make sure you don't miss out on that. Definitely one of the funnest nights we do all year long. Um, I know Kayla just prayed, but I'm gonna pray again because I need it. So, Father, I pray that tonight that you would, as Kayla prayed, that you would help um, us to be distraction-free. Lord, we know that the enemy is um, active, that he seeks to distract, to destroy. And so, Lord, um, I pray that your word would just shine through, that we would discover truth from it that we can take and apply to our life. Um, and so, Lord, I just pray for words of clarity as I speak. May they be from you. Um, and Lord, I just pray that you bless uh, just these next couple of minutes that we have together. Finish my pray. Amen. All right. So I'm curious, how many of you guys would consider yourself to be like the rule follower? Like you tend to be the person that like, if there are instructions, you are going to follow them to a T. I see like a few of y'all's hands going up. You're like kind of shy. You're like, yeah, I'm that kid. Hey, no shame. I am also the rule follower. I like my instructions. I like to know what I'm doing. Um, I bet that most of you in here, if you would say that you think that rules can be bent a little bit, um, that you tend to be the person that doesn't like to read or follow directions or even instructions. Um, I feel like this is kind of very much a guy thing. Um, look, look, not trying to call anybody out, but I very much feel like this is a guy thing. Um, I, look, I'm just saying from experience, literally two weeks ago, you know those shoe boxes that we put together? Um, we were in the office as a staff trying to like, you know, make sure that we knew how to explain those to y'all. Look, Blake and Caleb, they were the two that were like figuring it out on their own, like kind of just folding it until it kind of made some type of sense. And me and Eve are both just like, look, if you literally would have taken 10 seconds to look at the directions, this could have been done like two minutes ago. So I'm just saying, from experience, just seems a little bit true to me. Um, or, you know, maybe you're the type of person that like, you'll kind of glance at the instructions and you'll kind of get like a general feel for it. But then from there, you're like, eh, I got it. I'll figure it out as I go. And so sometimes I think that we can sometimes view God's word like this. We know that like, yeah, there's some useful stuff in there, but we like to try and figure out this whole life thing on our own. We're like, okay, if I really get stuck, then I'll check out what it has to say and maybe dig a little bit deeper. And so we walk through life in kind of this like trial and error mentality. We try and figure out um, how we should live, you know, what's right, what's wrong, what we believe, all through this whole trial and error. And so I think that God knew that we would have tendencies like this 
And I think that he put in his word, he included things that show us in scripture that this book that we carry around, this book that we, you know, hopefully bring with us on uh, Sundays, or maybe you keep it in your room by your bedside table, whatever it is. I think that he knew that we would have tendencies to think like that. And so he put stuff in there to tell us um, about its relevance, about its purpose, about its usefulness, just in our life today. And so throughout this series called Inspired, we are looking at what God's word has to say about itself, what it tells us about itself um, and what benefit it has for us. And so we're going to look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, and we're going to be breaking it down over the next couple of weeks. Um, This is not going to be an exhaustive list of all of the all that God's word has to say um, about itself, what it is, what it does. Um, But I think that this serves as just a launching point for us to begin to understand uh, just the impact that God's word can have in our life if we allow it. Hey, my friend's right here. Hey. Um, So when I think about this, when I look back on it, I desperately wish that I knew this stuff in middle school and high school. Because to be honest with you, um, I viewed God's word as a textbook. I went to GCA from the time that I was in pre-kindergarten all the way through my high school graduation. And so for 14 years, the Bible was something that I used when I went to Bible class. It was something that I took with me when I went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It just became another book. So I had tons of head knowledge. I was able to quote scripture. I could tell you stories, um, but it's not something that I delighted in. It's not something that I found joy in. In Psalms 1, verses 2 through 3, it says, Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instructions, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, and and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. So delight means that you find joy. I didn't find joy in God's word. I didn't find joy in his instruction. It was something that I just viewed as another subject in school. And so maybe you, if you're in here and you go to private school, this is something that you find very relatable. It wasn't until my freshman year of college that I truly began to see and understand the joy God's word can bring when you form just consistent habits of spending time in his word. And it makes us just like that passage in Psalms talks about, about this tree that's planted by the stream that has an abundant life that's thriving. It's not that it's, you know, all about, you know, riches and material possessions that we get, but it's about the joy, the peace, the contentment, um, that no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. And so understand that like the heart of this series that we're going through, it is not to make you feel guilty or to make you feel shame if you don't read your Bible. It's not meant to be that. The heart of this series is that we want you to see and fall in love with God's word, that in it, you see the benefits that can come into your own life, that you find delight in it, that you find joy in it. Um, that you just see the purpose of it in our lives. Romans 15, four, it says, for whatever was written in former days, it was written for your instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Right there, it's telling us, scripture was written for our benefit, for our instruction so that we can have hope, 
Not a wavering kind of hope that's this wishful thinking, but one that is full of confidence. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and flip over to 2 Timothy 3. Uh, it's towards the back of your Bible. So just a little context here. 2 Timothy, this is a letter that was written by Paul. Um, and most scholars believe that this is the last letter that Paul ever wrote prior to his death. Um, and so he wrote to Timothy while he was in prison, while Paul was in prison. Um, and so Paul, he just considers Timothy to be somebody that is um, a son um, in the faith, meaning that he taught Timothy, he discipled Timothy. And so he writes him, urging him to continue to be strong in his faith despite the suffering. And so we see in chapter three, um, Paul is telling Timothy that hard times are going to come. In verse two, he says, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, um, irrecon wait, irreconcilable, sorry, uh, slanders, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And so Paul is saying like, hey, like time is coming when people are going to look like this. When this is going to be the norm, this is what culture is going to look like. And so he's encouraging, hey, remain faithful. Timothy had watched Paul's life and saw the faithfulness of God even through these crazy and difficult seasons. And so and starting in verse 14, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, but as for you, as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you. And you know that from infancy, you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is telling Timothy, hey, be strong, hold firm to the things that you have learned and the things that you firmly believe, hold tight to them. Paul knows the temptation to throw in the towel all too well. He knows that that's a temptation that can easily come for us where we just wanna give up, especially when we're faced with difficult circumstances. I love this word that Paul uses when he says, continue. Paul uses this when he writes, continue in what you have learned. I love that picture of continuing. You never outgrow God's word. Never. Continue gives this idea of to persist, to remain in, to stay, to reside. When you look up this word continue in the dictionary, you also find this definition that says to resume after an interruption. And I just love the picture that that paints. Continue. If you have been faithfully walking in the Lord, keep going, keep persisting, keep remaining in. But if you have found yourself in a season of interruption, a season where you haven't been reading God's word, the encouragement is, hey, persist, continue again, resume after the interruption. And so the question is, is what is Timothy supposed to continue in? And it tells us that it's the sacred scriptures. The Bible is different from every other book, even you know books that are written about the Bible. It has been set apart and it is unique um, and special for God's purposes. And so it gives us wisdom for salvation is what scripture does. And it's not that by believing what's in the Bible, that's not what makes you saved, but it's by trusting in Jesus who is revealed to us through God's word that saves us. And so we see that um, all of scripture 
is one cohesive story. It all points to the person of Jesus. From the fall of man in the very beginning of the Bible, when Adam and Eve decided to sin and rebel against God, and there was a brokenness, there was a separation in that relationship with him um, through the stories of Israel's captivity and through the stories of the judges and the kings and, and all, all of these stories um, that culminate uh, to the person of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, who died, who took our place, who, who took our punishment so that we can be forgiven. The story of scripture is one of, of man's rebellion, um, our rebellious heart, and God's relentless pursuit of us, um, all pointing to Jesus. And it's through Jesus that we have access to this free gift of salvation by recognizing our sin, by asking to be forgiven and trusting that Jesus paid it all for us. It's through God's word that we know this. That's what it says, that you have been given wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So then the verses that we're really going to focus in on tonight um, is verses 16 and 17. And it says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. So the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What does it mean when script, it says that scripture is inspired by God? Some of you are like, wait a minute, you literally just told us that Paul wrote this letter to Timothy. How is that God's word? And so we see here that inspiration, it has to do with the relationship between God and the Bible's author. These men weren't inspired in the way that we typically think when we hear that. You know, it wasn't like Paul went outside, looked at a beautiful sunset and was like, oh, man, I feel so inspired. I'm going to go write this letter to Timothy. That's not what it's saying. And it's not this whole like um, where like he his body is just like he has no idea what he's doing, that he's unaware. It's, um, he's not like writing stuff down. And he all of a sudden like comes to realization. He's like, oh, look what I just wrote. This is what like God says. That's not what it's talking about. The entirety of the Bible is, is inspired by God, literally meaning that it is God-breathed. Um, that's often why it's referred to as God's word. And so first and foremost, inspiration has to do with the fact that the Bible is ultimately written, um, that God is the author of the, of the Bible. And so if God authored it, what does that mean for all of these writers that we see? Moses, Paul, John, um, David in the Psalms, like, what does this mean? The Bible was written by God and people, or I guess like more precisely, God through people. The apostle Peter, he tells us in 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy had its origin, in, uh, never had its origin in the human will, but prophets through human spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so it just paints this picture for us that God made sure that human authors wrote exactly what he wanted them to write. The authors, though, they weren't like passive robots. God didn't erase their personalities or take over their minds. Um, they wrote as thinking, feeling human beings. And so God worked through their unique personalities personalities, their educations, their background, their experiences, all of this um, to enable them to write uh, God's word. And so we even see that just within the gospels. We see how there are four different gospels, four different writers, but they all tell the same story in their own unique personality. And so, you know, the Bible, it's the most unique book that's ever been written. It is 
um, was written over a 1,500-year time span, 40 generations, over 40 authors from very different walks of life. It was written in different places on three different continents and three different languages, yet it all tells the same story. There were over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament uh, that were written by many different people, yet one man fulfilled them all many years um, after they had been written. And so we see, um, and the likelihood of that happening is like, even just fulfilling eight of those prophecies is like one in a hundred trillion. Like it's mind blowing. And so you can't tell me um, that this book isn't inspired, that it all makes for one cohesive story. I also want you to notice that it says all scripture. I feel like I'm probably gonna step on some people's toes when I say this, all scripture not parts, not just the stuff you like, not just the stuff that you agree with, all of it. Sometimes scripture is difficult to understand because it's talking about complicated things, and I get it. Um, it's hard to fully wrap our minds around some of these concepts like the Trinity. Like I, it's, it's still hard for me to articulate and explain that. Um, but often it's hard to grasp because we simply don't like what it says. Uh, Mark Twain, he once said, it isn't those parts of the Bible I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. Often it's not the Bible, um, it's not that the Bible is unclear, it's that we aren't receptive to what it has to say. And this can be hard because we come across passages that we don't agree with. We feel like that's not right. And I've been there and I've struggled with this too. But God's word isn't this like buffet that we get to go to and kind of like pick and choose what we want from it. When you come across topics that you struggle with, the only thing that you can do is turn to God and ask him to change your heart, to, to give you understanding. Understand that like your heart is deceptive. God's word tells us that. Do not listen to your heart or what your feelings tell you is right and wrong. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And if you're having a hard time telling the difference between the two, go check scripture because the Holy Spirit will never tell you something that differs from what God's word says. And so we see here that all of scripture is inspired by God and it's written for our benefit. So in verse 16, it says um, that there are four things that it's profitable, profitable for, for teaching, rebuking, correction, and for training in righteousness. So profitable, it means beneficial, useful, advantageous. And so this definition, um, it's, it's creating favorable circumstances that increase our chances of success or effectiveness. If you want to be an effective follower of Jesus, um, we have to let scripture do these four things in our life. Um, they serve to benefit our life. And it's through God's word that, that these four things are achieved in our life, that we can be complete and equipped. Um, and so... We see here, um, really quick before I wrap up and, and talk about uh, teaching, we're going we're gonna to hit this one really quick tonight, um, and then we'll break down some of these other ones as the rest of the week goes. So this first one that we see here when it says that God's word is profitable for teaching, it seems very basic. You're like, got it. I learned the stories. I've learned the Bible verses. Good. But it goes so much deeper than that. It's not about being able to tell a story of David and Goliath or Noah's Ark or being able to quote scripture. What teaching literally means here is it's, it's referring to doctrine. And I know doctrine, it sounds like this super intimidating word, but it simply means a set of beliefs. 
And it's referring to specific teachings about God that we see in his word. So the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of man, it teaches us about who God is, who we are, how to be saved, and so on. It teaches us all of these things. And so doctrine, it's, it summarizes the truth that we see in the Bible. It's looking at the entirety of scripture, gathering all of the passage that speaks to a certain topic and condensing what it says um, into, into teachable truths. And so to simply put it, God's word teaches us what's right and what to believe. And so this statement is very like countercultural from what we see today. Uh, this past week alone, I was watching this TV show and a judge on there, he said, uh, there's not a right path, there's not a wrong path, there's your path. And so culture screams this at you. It says, whatever makes you happy, go for it. But here's the thing about culture. The voice, that screaming voice that's so loud, it always changes based on the trend of the current time. It goes up, down, all around. It's like a roller coaster that spins you every which way. The noise that comes with our modern culture, this modern world, it makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input that we need in life. And so God's voice is described as this whisper. It's calm, it's quiet, it is always true, and it never changes. It's so unlike this culture. It's consistent. We just have to be able to tune into it. And so when the Bible teaches us doctrine, it enables us to see the world as God sees it, to see things as they really are. When we get our doctrine right, when we get our beliefs right, then everything else begins to fall into place. And so we see here the purpose of Bible study, I just want y'all to understand this really quick before I wrap up and close, is that the purpose of Bible study, the purpose of reading God's word, it's not just to understand doctrine. It's not just to have a head knowledge of something. The purpose of spending time in God's word is equipping us as believers when we read it, that it would impact our lives and that it would change us. And so as we study God's word and apply what we learn, we will grow in holiness and we avoid the mistakes and the pitfalls that we see coming in life. God has given us these instructions that we see in God's word for our flourishment, for our good. But a lot of times we let busyness and the other activities that um, we, we prioritize in our life to, to distract us from hearing the voice of the Lord, that it stunts our growth, that it stunts our spiritually. And so, as I mentioned before, the goal of this series is not, I don't want you to walk out of here and be like, man, they really want me to become like the perfect Christian. That's not the goal. The goal isn't that you never miss a day of spending time in God's word, but that you see the vital importance of God's word in our lives and that you take one step towards progress. If you've never picked up a Bible in your life, start with five minutes for a few days this week. If you're pretty consistent on like three or four days a week, hey, try for five or six. If you're like, man, I'm consistent of spending, um, you know, five minutes a day, every single day in the week in God's word, that's awesome. Try for 15. And so take whatever step um, you need that's gonna make a, a step of progress of spending time in God's word. But don't get caught up in doing it perfectly. Instagram drives me crazy because you go on there and you see people's pictures of, you know, the cute coffee shop with the journal and the Bible or, you know, the Instagram story where it's like sitting outside in nature, you know, birds chirping, sun shining, and it makes it look like this perfect setting of spending time in God's word. And I'm not against, you know, reading the Bible in a coffee shop or outside, but what I what drives me crazy is that it's this thought that you need a perfect environment to spend time in God's word. And that's not true. 
hear me, that is not true. God meets us wherever we're at. While you're eating breakfast in the morning, on your bus ride to school, in the 15 minutes between classes, at night before you go to bed. God meets you wherever you are at. You do not have to have a perfect setting to spend time in God's word. And so my challenge for you this week is to just take a step of progress in your walk with the Lord. I know trying to figure out where to start can be super overwhelming and intimidating. And so I would encourage you, hey, look at Mark, look at John. Mark, it's only 16 chapters. It's not very long. Um, But my prayer is, is that you would find joy in God's word, that you would fall in love with Jesus by reading scripture, by reading what it says and growing to understand who he is. Um, And so if you are a little confused about like when you actually go to read God's word, you're like, I got it. I know where to start, but understanding it's hard. I would just challenge you ask these three questions when you're reading God's word. One, what does this say about God? What does this tell me about the person of God, who he is, what he's done? Two, what does this say about the characters in this story um, or, or, or the author that's writing it? Like, what does this tell me about that? And then the last one is, what should I do with it? Ask those three questions that will begin to help you process what you're reading in God's word. Um, so that's my challenge for y'all tonight. Just take one step of progress um, as you go to read God's word. And if you need help getting involved or, or figuring out where to go, Um, come see any of our leaders and we would love to help you um, in that direction. So I'm gonna pray for us really quick and we're gonna get out of here. God, I I pray for these students, Lord, that we would begin to see and understand the benefits um, of your word. God, that it's not just some book that was written hundreds of years ago that doesn't have any relevance in our life today, but God, that you wrote it for a purpose and that um, in it, we can learn so much about the truth of who you are. And so God, I pray that these students wouldn't look for Um, perfection, but God, that they would look for progress, that they would choose to just um, spend um, just just a little bit of time in your word to begin to understand who you are. God, um, and as they do that, I pray that you would just draw them near and draw them close to you. So Father, I pray that you would keep them safe as they go this week. And that's my prayer. Amen.